Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Notes from the Library podcast. As always, I'm your host Emma and today we are talking about Slow Days, Fast Company by Eve Babbitt. Now I want to be an Eve Babbitt's girly so badly. I've always wanted to be because Uncarly on YouTube, whose channel I love, she talks about how much she loves Eve Babbitt's. I'm like, and I love Uncarly's channel, so I also want to be an Eve Babbitt's girly. And Eve Babbitt's talks a lot about the parties and the life of the 60s and 70s of Hollywood. I'm like, I love that. Like, I want to hear about that. I have Sex and Rage by her. It's in Nashville. As of right now, I'm recording this. I'm in New York, but when this is released, it's going to be a couple weeks later and I'll be back in Nashville. That's where I have an essay collection called Sex and Rage by her. Haven't read it yet at the time of recording, so Slow Days Fast Company is my first from her, and this seems to be the one that people like a lot, so I'm happy I started with this one. I'm an Eve Babbitt's girly. I loved this so much. She's talking about her days in LA, and it was great. It's broken up into different little essays, and I loved it. I loved every moment of this book. I will tell you exactly why I liked this book so much. Opening, the first essay is called actually just Slow Days. And I love the way she describes LA. Like I have no desire to go to LA guys. I have no desire to end up in California, no desire to move there or work there or anything. This book made me want to go to LA. So I'm like, maybe I'm missing something. And I know LA is not the LA that was in this. But anyway, but she is describing it and it opens it with, it is well known that for something to be fiction, it must move right along and not meander into the next country. Unfortunately with LA, it's impossible. You can't write a story about LA that doesn't turn around in the middle and get lost. And since it's custom for people who like LA to embrace everything wholesome and wallow in forest lawn, all the stories you read make you wonder why the writer doesn't just go ahead and jump, get it over with. I love LA. The only time I ever go to Forest Lawn is when someone dies. A kid from New York once said, look, which would you rather, to spend eternity looking out over the pretty green hills or in some overcrowded ghetto cemetery next to Expressway in Queens? LA didn't invent eternity. Forest Lawn is just an example of eternity carried to its logical conclusion. I love LA because it does things like that. People nowadays get upset at the idea of being in love with a city, especially Los Angeles. People think you should be in love with other people or your work or justice. I've been in love with people and ideas in several cities and learned that the lovers I loved and the ideas I embraced depend on where I was, how cold it was, and what I had to do to be able to stand it. It was very easy to stand LA, which is why it's almost inevitable that all sorts of ideas get entertained. To say nothing of lovers. Logical sequences, however, get lost in the shuffle. Art is supposed to uphold standards of organization and structure, but you can't have those things in Southern California. People tried. It's difficult to be very serious when you're in a city that can't even put up a skyscraper for fear the earth will start up one day and bring the whole thing down around everyone's ears. And so the artists in Los Angeles just don't have that burning eagerness people expect. And they're just not serious. It makes friends of mine in New York pace and see just remembering the unreasoning delight one encounters in the cloud-like marvels of Larry Bell. The idea of an artistic community evaporates into a slow day. Inspiration and words like that get hurried along with fast company. It's impossible to tell if one's been inspired or if it was the cocaine or what. 
I mean, she, she, she starts with that. And how can you not love that? Like, how can you not? I think the difference between, I also find the difference between New York and California so funny. Because I'm from New York. I'm from right outside the city. We have that bustling city, gotta go, gotta go, gotta stay busy all the time mentality. And I'll make friends with people from California. They're like, just relax. I'm like, it's one o'clock on a Wednesday. How does one relax at one o'clock on a Wednesday? Like, we just don't do that. We can't relax at one o'clock on a Wednesday. We can't just go do that. But that just shows the difference between the cultures of the two coasts. But I just love the way she explains that. And I think that language, I think is a great way to set up the language of it because all of her essays have this flowing story-like poetic energy with them as she's flying through. Well, at first of all, I'm like, she's like, oh, I'm an essayist. I'm like, oh my God, this is gonna be so boring. But no, they're like, they're creative nonfiction essays. They're all based in real life, but they're not written like academic essays. They're written like story essays. My friend Lauren writes amazing creative nonfiction essays. Oh my God, it's beautiful, the stuff she writes. And she, her writing reminds me a little bit of Eve Babbitt's a little bit that she takes stories that she's experienced, people that she's experienced, and she makes these artistic essays with them, all based on true things, and then she adds the symbolism and the flowery language and the all the other stuff that goes with it. And I knew I definitely had a new favorite. When she describes his friend Sam, like this guy Sam, he looks like a Marlboro commercial up close. I was cracking up, I don't know why, but I'm like, that makes sense. Cause I have some friends that I'm like, you are a cigarette commercial in my mind. like. Or like you are that brand in my mind. Like I have this one friend that's always like thrifting. I'm like, you look like Led Zeppelin all the time. You need to chill out. But then it's kind of funny because our mutual friend down at school, every time she sees me in one of my trench coats, she goes, it's giving 10th doctor today, like from Doctor Who. And every time she sees me, she tells me something about that. And then one time she saw me in like sweatshirts to the sweatpants, she goes, it's giving burned out college students. So she always gives that. So I just love that like he looked like a Marlboro commercial. And in my mind, like that made sense. I'm like, I can picture this man in my mind. Like he's like, oh, cause I've been to school with them. <laughs> I've been to school with them. Honestly, I went to Sarah Lawrence before the pandemic, first semester and a half before we were shut down, sent online. Sarah Lawrence is the New York liberal arts version of an Eve Babbitt's book. I'm sure now you can picture the school I'm talking about. Cause see, this is how we work. Cause a lot of men there look like Marlboro ads. I do find it's very funny. She talks about a lot about Dodger Stadium. There's like a whole chapter about Dodger Stadium. I thought that was really funny because my grandmother loved the Dodgers and she never forgave them for leaving the Bronx. And I thought that was kind of funny. I'm like, it made me smile. But then after that chapter, we go right into this other chapter. that <laughs> talks very different about a lot of different things. And this chapter was my favorite. And I'll tell you why. In this chapter, they're at some party. And literally, the party is just wild, what they talk about. But they start talking about, like, lovers and friends and all of that. And this is, this is wild what Eve gets into, that when I was sitting at the hair salon reading this as I was fascinated by this. So she is talking about, like, lovers and friends and all of that. But it's more like that we're just friends kind of thing. And she goes, I had a collection of lovers to keep me warm and my friendships with women who always fascinated me by their wit, bravery, and resourcefulness, who had never told me the same story twice. Now, women, I don't mind. I mean, you can go places with a woman and come back just fine. Or as my agent Erica plowed right in and said, you know that 
that when you have dinner with a girlfriend, you're going to come home a whole human being. I had a third collection of associates who were men, but not lovers. Just friends, they were called. An American distinction, if ever there was one. Only we could say just about a friend. My just friends were more reliable than most of my just lovers. Since just lovers were always capable of saying, gee, you're putting on weight, or are those the shoes you're wearing? For years, William was my closest just friend. He lived not half a mile from me and was a freelance writer. So we both got invited to the same sorts of things to which it was assumed you take a presentable member of the opposite sex. Terry Finch and I had glossed over this rule lately. And when they invite her to some local function sit and say, bring someone, she brings me. Since my decision on Olympic Boulevard to give up finding someone I didn't mind, I become much more resigned to lackluster events or going with a just friend because I always gone every, everywhere alone. So she talks about how she brings William to this party. And if you skip down a little bit, it says, And it was one of those nights when Santa Ana were blowing so hard that the searchlights were the only thing in the sky that were straight. From early childhood, I had rejoiced over Santa Ana winds. My sister and I used to run outside and dance under the stars on our cool front lawn and laugh maniacally and sing, Hitchhike, hitchhike, give us a ride, imagining we could be taken up onto the sky on broomsticks. Raymond Chandler and Joan Dinian both regard Santa Ana's as some powerful evil, and I know that they mean because I've seen people drop from migraines and go crazy. Every time I feel one coming, I put on my dancing spirits. Once when I was 15, I walked for an entire afternoon along an empty cement in 110 degree heat on a hot dry wind just to get the feel of them. Alone, everyone else was hiding inside. I know those winds the way Eskimos know their snow. William and I together, as usual, attending the opening new club called Blue Champagne. The confusion, the roly-poly of wind, made me hilarious. Nothing can make me sober when everything is flapping around for dear life. They were trying to have a rather dignified opening with red-coated parking lot attendants, and nothing would say or put straight except, of course, the pattern of searchlights crisscrossing the sky. We ran into a discard lover of mine, Jack, who was always trying to ignore me, but his girlfriend's hat blew across the entrance, and I caught it, so he was stuck having to be grateful. His girlfriend suggested we sit together. She was either completely in or totally out of fashion, I thought. Her clothes were so her own. She introduced herself as Isabel Farfella and shook, and shook my hand. Jack followed her in, wishing we weren't all going to be sitting together. The champagne, which was not blue, was free, and we wound up drinking four bottles of it. I also, it seems, wound up madly embracing Isabel Farfella. Oh no, I cried to William, who telephoned me the next morning to rub it in. I thought it was a dream. That's the second one of Jack's you've taken from him, William said, amused. Huh? Wasn't Sean going with him when you, he reminded. And of course, when I remembered back when Jack had had a mad crush on this elegant, handsome, but ambivalent young man named Sean. Sean lumped all love together and was drawn to whatever burned hottest, which was usually me. So not only had I abandoned Jack, but I run off with what he'd rather have had in the first place, Sean. Sean and my romance was faint to begin with and faded altogether when he went home to Charleston for a month. Anyway, he'd been just a lover, so I'd hardly noticed. And besides, I thought, that whole sector of society Jack was in was flimsy because no one had any real style. They had Porsches and, and were skinny, 
and took cocaine and weren't in the movie business. They were all in a peripheral state like advertising and magazines. Lots of art directors and only good art directors had retired art directors. You two really look beautiful, William sighed about me and Isabel kissing each other like that. Well, at least we looked beautiful, I say. Now what do I do? Maybe you'll really like women better, he suggested. Maybe it's been it all along. But what does one do with women, I said, imagining at once exactly what one could do. It was probably just Santa Anna, I said. You never kissed me like that, he replied. I know, when you come to think about it, it's a wonder women have anything to do with men at all, and no surprise that men have deserved all kinds of schemes to bind women into them, like not giving them any money. If you had the choice of sleeping with a beautiful, soft creature, or a large one, which would you pick? I mean, if they both had any amount of money. So, I mean, Eve, <laughs> Eve kind of cracks me up with her way she talks about things. And I thought that was so funny that she's like, yeah, I stole my ex's crush and his girlfriend. So I thought that was hilarious. She goes, yeah, I did. And I'll do it again. I just thought that was funny. And I loved the whole, like, we were just friends kind of thing. I don't know why. I just loved reading about these people. I loved her wit and her humor. And it was just great. And I loved that scene for some reason. I, my friend, she texted me after my Goodreads update because I posted a Goodreads update and I thought it was hilarious. She thought it was hilarious. I'm sure there's other people that did not think I was as funny as I was, but I, I think I'm hilarious sometimes in my Goodreads update. I'm trying to get more creative with them. And I wrote in my thing, Eve nonchalantly dropping the information about how she madly embraced a woman and how her just friend said that she looked good kissing her at cocaine and champagne party is queen energy. And I said what I said and I stand by it. I do. I really do. I thought that was so funny and so iconic. Like that shit was iconic. You cannot tell me Eve Babbitt is not an icon right now. I'm going to be so upset if like I read her other stuff and not like it. I just thought it was so funny. She goes, yeah, like I don't know what to do with women, but you know women are better than men. And I just thought that was great. I thought that was funny. Like that was the queen energy I needed. And I, I loved every second of it. I did. I loved Slow Days Fast Company. I thought it was great. And it was just so witty. And I loved reading about these. It was like the Great Gatsby party scenes. And that was great. I love, I love scenes in books. And they're either hit or miss. But she does it so good. And the Great Gatsby does it great too. I love party scenes and seeing how people interact with them. I love writing them. I love reading about them. I love reading about rich people having parties like this. I don't want to read about like, like yes, I enjoy like the balls and the galas from like classic literature. I want to read about E. Babbitt's getting drunk on champagne that's not blue and stealing her ex's relationships. I want that messy drama. I want the gossip. I want all of that. I loved it. I can't wait to read the rest. I have Sex and Rage on my bookshelf in Nashville. I got Slow Days Fast Company at the library. I want my own physical copy of it and I'm going to go buy Black Swan. And I think there's LA Woman and then Eve's Hollywood too. But I think I definitely wanna get Black Swan next. Yeah, I, I loved it. It was added to my favorite shelf. It's great. I had so much fun reading it. And again, that, that section I read to you was the most iconic thing. So she describes men as Marlboro commercials and then she goes, and I'm gonna go kiss your girlfriend. Have fun with that. That's hilarious. It's amazing. 
it was and she's like and who really needs men anyway like if they both had the same amount of money like who would you pick and she's like and i know who you would pick it was great eve babbitt's queen i'm an eve babbitt's girly and there's so many other good parts of this book too but i also want you to go read it because if i was to read to you all the good parts i'd be reading the entire book to you so please go read it read about the roaring parties of the 60s and 70s hollywood tell me how you feel about it and I kind of wish I was there to what I would give to be a fly on the wall and experience these parties with Eve Babbitt would be so much fun. I would love that. I would love that. But anyway, I think I've talked too much. I'm getting too fired up because I'm so excited to talk about this that I can't wait to go read the other ones. And we're going to talk about them even more. But anyway, thank you so much for listening and always supporting the show. If you have any recommendations, please let me know. And as always, this has been the Notes from the Library.